0: those that are not with us this morning it's good to have our visitors with us this morning we welcome you here to our church joshua chapter one we've just begun this uh, study in the book of joshua and of course we know the great parallel between the old testament book of joshua and the new testament journey of the christian and of course joshua uh, means jesus and we find that in the new testament it's even interchange between Joshua and Jesus, and so Israel is about to receive a new commander-in-chief here as we come into the book of Joshua, and I'd encourage you as we we, uh, study this passage of scripture, that you go back into the book of Deuteronomy, and we have the coffin chorus this morning, amen, this is what's going to be for a while, it seems to never go away, I know, because I still am doing it myself. But as you read through the book of Deuteronomy, you come to the end of Moses' life. And uh, listen, um, God may bury his workers, but his work never stops. Amen? And so we just keep carrying on. Amen? But Joshua chapter 1, let's look at verse number 1, and we'll read down just to verse number 3 this morning. The Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass... That the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're grateful, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for bringing each and every one. Lord, now as we open your word, I pray that you'd have your way in our hearts. God, may we be sensitive to your leading. God, may we learn from your word, God, the things that you have for us this morning. Lord, we thank you that we have a work to do for you. We thank you for the land of rest that you've promised to the believer who puts his faith and trust in you. Lord, we pray that we'd learn these things as we study through the book of Joshua. And Lord, we thank you once again, Lord, for the opportunity in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to give you a little bit more about Joshua here this morning because the servant of the Lord Moses is dead. And you know that prior to John the Baptist, who Jesus said was the greatest man born of woman, that Moses was the greatest prophet. He was a friend of God. Moses had many times in his life he would travel up you know, the mountain and meet with God and be there. And I think Moses is probably the only man in scripture who, when he came back down, still had so much of God's presence on him. He literally had to put a veil over his face for people to be able to look upon him. Now, I know some of you are very spiritual Christians, but I've never had to put a veil over my face for us to be able to speak face to face. Moses was a great man of God. Moses was the man whom God used to lead the children of Israel out of their captivity in Egypt. Amen. And that was no small feat. Amen. Remember how God used Moses in front of Pharaoh to perform those miracles and bring those plagues upon the land of Egypt. And God used Moses to lead the children of Israel out to the edge of the Red Sea. And then, of course, as he raised his hands and raised that rod over the waters, God parted the Red Sea and they crossed on dry land. And if that wasn't enough, he was the man who led the children of Israel through 40 years of grumbling and complaining and murmuring and fussing. And in one moment of passion, one moment of passion, he smote the rock twice instead of once. And God said, you're not going in the land. Now, you may say, man, that does not seem just of the Lord to have put Moses through all of that and then not allow him to realize uh, what his goal was, and that was to get into the promised land. But listen, God takes very seriously his commands. Amen. God takes very seriously these things. And God's work is not hinged on one person. The work of God is not hinged on one person. People say, well, I'm, I'm going to leave the church. Well, go ahead. God will use somebody else, amen? God, What God wants to accomplish is not hinged on me or hinged on you. Where one servant dies, God raises another up. And God will accomplish his purposes, amen? And God's purpose, as we'll learn tonight, was to take his people into a land of rest, God wanted them to go into the land of rest. And Joshua was the man whom God raised up underneath Moses to take them in to that land. So we're going to look at five different aspects this morning of Joshua as he was uh, to the children of Israel. And first of all, that has to begin with Joshua the slave. To begin with the life of Joshua, you have to go all the way back to Egypt. And Joshua would have been born in captivity in the land of Egypt. So we see Joshua here as a slave. And Joshua was given the name Oshea. Look at numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. You know my preaching style. I find sometimes it's so hard all this setting the stage. And I'll be honest with you, I love to read, and I never read the preface. Never. I never read the preface. Why? I don't care. I want to get to the goods. Yeah. You say, yeah, but you don't know. And I realize the truth of that, but I just, I don't, I don't care. So I never read the preface, and once in a while I'll read the conclusion. I want the good stuff. But we, for, for understanding this, we, we've got to preface it with understanding who this new leader really is That's going to lead them into the promised land. And I'm going to tell you something Christian friend. If you're saved here this morning. If you want that land of rest. If you want that land of abundance. That land of God's blessing. In your Christian life. You've got to get to know your leader. You've got to know Jesus. Amen. You've got to not only have him as your savior. But have him as your Lord. Amen. Have him as your commander in chief. We need that. And so we've got to preface it with a little biography here of Joshua. (coughs) He was born in slavery and he was given the name Oshea. Numbers chapter 13 verse number 8, the Bible tells us he was of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshea, the son of Nun. Now, knowing that he was born in slavery and being given this name, this name means salvation. This name means salvation. Wouldn't you agree with me that if you named your son Salvation, there'd be some pretty high expectations? Amen I mean, I was named Brandon, okay? Brandon does not have a it means a beacon. That's what branded me. And I didn't really understand as a child what a beacon was. And we went through this thing in school where everybody had to find out what their name was. And, you know, uh, you know, somebody, my name's Joshua. Salvation is of the Lord, you know. Beacon. I'm a beacon. I didn't even know what a beacon was. Amen? <laughs> but, you know, we just name kids whatever the cool, trendy name is nowadays or whatever name you make up or you think is whatever. But in this day, names meant something. And no doubt naming their son Joshua as parents living in captivity in Egypt, they had faith in God that salvation was to come. Amen, that redemption was to come. And maybe, maybe their son would have a part That's right. to play. Amen. I mean, that's what Eve thought when Eve became uh, pregnant with Cain. She said, I've gotten a man from the Lord, and I'm sure she was expecting that prophecy to be filled in her firstborn son. Of course it wasn't, but there was an expectation. And so it indicates to us that probably his parents were people of faith. They certainly knew, according to Genesis chapter 15 and 50, they certainly knew of the promises that God had made to Abraham that he would deliver them from Egypt and take them to a land. They certainly knew that. Amen? Moses, you'll find, later changed Joshua's name to Jehoshua, which means God of salvation, the God of salvation. Now... Anytime you uh, put a J-E before a name, that's God. That's God. Jehovah, that's God. And so it was not now just salvation, but the God of salvation. You can see that in Numbers chapter 13. If you just drop down to verse number 16, the Bible says, These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Oshea the son of Nun, Jehoshua, or Joshua, and so he became known as uh, the God of salvation. Of course, you can see the parallel knowing that that name is the Hebrew form of Jesus in the New Testament. And we already showed you last week how that's interchanged in the book of Acts and the book of Hebrews. Right. Only if you have a King James Bible. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't, they're just going to say Joshua, which totally destroys the prophetical references of what's going to happen in the future. Right. Amen? Amen. We know that Joshua was of the tribe of Ephraim. He was also a firstborn son. If you look at 1 Chronicles chapter 7, isn't isn't the Bible neat how you got it? You got to dig around to put this stuff together. But in 1 Chronicles 7, you find a listing of (coughs) the sons. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, you certainly know that the firstborn got all the privilege, including having his name recorded as the son of this man. And in first Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 27, in this listing, we find Non his son, Jehoshua, his son. And so Joshua was born in slavery in Egypt as the firstborn son of his parents. Now knowing the book of Exodus, you know that as the firstborn son being raised in slavery, that he was also then in danger during the Passover you also know that it would have been his life that would have been taken if the blood had not been applied to the doorpost. Amen? So Joshua and his family were people of faith in God. Amen? And of course his life was obviously protected, praise the Lord, by having the blood applied to the doorpost. Amen? Joshua would have seen the miracles that God did in Egypt. You should go back and read them just to refresh your mind. Exodus chapter 7 through 12. And it's interesting to note that God has power, so does Satan. Amen. Remember that that Pharaoh's uh, 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 sorcerers and all that, they were also able to perform some of these miracles. Like when when, uh, Moses cast down his rod and it became a snake, they cast down their rods and they became snakes. The one that they couldn't do was the lice. (laughs) The sand becoming lice. And that's because... Even Satan can't take what has no life in it, sand has no life in it, and make life. Yeah. And that's what the scientists of this world can't seem to figure out, that you can't get nothing from nothing. Right. Only God can do that. Right. Amen? But the devil can't even do that. He can't take a piece of sand and make it breathe. He can't do that. He can't make it a life. So only God could do that. Right. Amen? But But Joshua would have seen all that. Imagine being, guys, imagine being a young boy and a young man growing up in the land of Goshen. Growing up there with the children of Israel and seeing the Nile turned into blood. Amen? Hearing about all the frogs. And, the, and you know, if the if the land was full of frogs, you'd have heard of them. And now in Goshen, there wasn't any. And my dad would say, praise God, because he hates frogs. For whatever reason, I don't know, I ate them one time down south and it was good. Say, <laughs> so what does it taste like? Chicken. See, of course. Watery chicken. <laughs> but man, I never figured out, if you have a perfectly good chicken with a leg on it that big, why would you go after a leg that big? I was like, I'll just eat chicken, thank you, amen. Plus, you can put barbecue sauce on that, amen. <laughs> but he would have seen all that. He would have seen all that. And he watched what God did, the God of heaven did to the gods of Egypt. Amen. He saw what the God of heaven did to the uh, gods of Egypt. And at some point along the line, Joshua himself became a man of faith. And the Bible doesn't give us the details about that. You know something about it? When you come to the Lord, when you get saved, you know what? We all have a different story. Amen. Everybody's got a different place, a different time, a different whatever, but there's one thing we all have in common. You came by Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 John 14:6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Right. If you came in any other way, he said, You're a thief or a robber. Okay. This church can't save you. This water baptism can't save you. You know, all this hokey-pokey they do in religion today, it can't save you. There's salvation by one name. There's none other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. And that's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Joshua saw the Lord open up the Red Sea and drown Pharaoh's army. I mean, but Joshua was born a slave. All right? And then we see this in Exodus chapter 17. Look there with me if you would. We're seeing here this morning the development of this new leader of Israel, this Man who would take them into the promised land. And just as Joshua would take Israel in, it's the Lord Jesus who will take you in. Amen. Amen. If you want a, if you want rest and peace to your soul in this Christian life, it only comes through Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's no other answers for it. Nobody else is ever gonna. You know, I'm telling you, a good church can't give it to you. Right, right. Good Christian friends can't give it to you. You're going to have to get to know Jehoshua. You're going to have to get to know Jesus. The God of salvation. Amen. There are times good Christian friends might turn on you. There's times the church might let you down. But Jesus won't. He never does. He never does. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. (coughs) Of course, I thought recently that's not saying much, considering my sons, four brothers, amen, closer than a brother. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just joking on that. <laughs> Exodus chapter 17. Look at verse number 9 with me if you would. you got to lighten up this morning a little bit and smile and stop worrying about your drive home, amen? There's a ditch or a road. Either one will get you there eventually. <clears throat> if you got a truck like mine to go down through the ditch, you just come up on the other side, Amen. <laughs> Exodus chapter seventeen. Lord, please don't try me on that. I'm not tempting you, Lord. I'm not asking for that, Lord. I'm just like, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just better fix that before I get in the ditch on the way home. Exodus chapter seventeen. Look at verse number nine. We say funny things sometimes. This is Israel battling. Uh, Amalek here, in verse 8, then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim, and Moses said unto Joshua, you know what that tells me, when, when Israel got into war, Joshua was the go-to man, amen, I always want to be that guy, I'm not anymore, amen, you know, I don't, when we go play hockey, I don't get picked first anymore, I don't, there's a lot of guys that get picked before me, it used to be all us old guys, they'd want to pick dad first, now they don't. Oh, i got to pick Dad. <laughs> you know, it's more like that these days. Amen. But Joshua, he was the go-to man. Amen. When, when these, these enemies came up against Israel, Moses didn't wonder who he was going to. He was going to Joshua. And you know what, young men, young ladies, you ought to desire to be that for the Lord. Amen. And when the Lord needs a go-to person, I want to be the one. Amen. Amen. Yes, Amen. Me and two others. <laughs> Want to be the one. Amen. If there's an opportunity to do something for the Lord, pick me. If it's shoveling the step, pick me. If it's cleaning the toilet, pick me. Ask me. I'll do whatever I can for the Lord. Be the go-to guy. You want to get the job done? Call Brother Allen. Amen. He'll get the job done. Be the go-to man. You know how it is when you sometimes ask people if they want to do something. It's like, oh, man, well, I would, but I got this on. I got to go over there and do. And sometimes after a while you just don't ask anymore. Amen. I want to be the kind of guy that's going to set something aside to do something for the Lord. Joshua was the go-to man. And look at the responsibility he gives him. By the way, this is the first mention of Joshua in the Bible. This is his first mention. It says, choose us out men. So not only was Joshua the go-to man, but he knew who the other go-to men were. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? He, he knew who else to pick. If, if he had these four guys, he'd know which one of them would be a good man to fight the Amalekites. He didn't have to wonder. He didn't have to guess if they were doing their chores. Amen? He didn't have to guess if they were responsible. He not only was the man, he knew who the other men were. Moses said, go find us some men to fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron went... And her went up to the top of the hill. Now you know what happened. Whenever Moses would raise up his hands, they would win. And whenever his hands got heavy and fell down, they would start losing. And so Aaron and her held up his hands. And look what it says in verse 13. And Joshua discomfited Amalek. You say, what is that word? It's an archaic King James word. It means to make discomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Uncomfortable. He discomfited them. He's like a good Southerner. He discomfited That's what he did. He made Amalek very uncomfortable. Why? Well, a sword in the side is very uncomfortable, Brother Luke. Amen? He discomfited Amalek. My mom sent me a picture of our uh, Blessed Oak Baptist Church back when we first got the church building on 569 Oak Hill Road. We first got it, and it was complete with the hard back, wooden pews, straight-up backs. Oh, man. We had, those, we had pews down in that other building there for years. What a blessedness it was. When, but man, I don't know, it made somebody too comfortable. I mean, we saw in the end of the year video, some people sleep on them. Some people, you know, I mean, all kinds of things. But He made them uncomfortable. Amen. Discomforted them. He was a proficient man of war. We see here Joshua not only as a slave, but Joshua as a soldier. Joshua was a man of combat. Do you ever wonder when you see him discomfiting them where he learned to use a sword? I kind of wonder that. I wonder if he was enlisted at one time in the Egyptian army when things were going well. I don't know. I mean, he learned it somewhere. He learned it somewhere. But what I do know is he was proficient with a sword. Amen? And we as Christians are also in a battle. We are in a war. Now the weapons of our warfare, Paul told us, are not carnal. That means it's not a literal sword. But we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And friend, if you want to win in this war, you better be proficient with your sword. Amen. Amen. You know what separates churches these days? Ones that care about the book and ones that don't care about the book. That's what makes churches different. You know, most of the time they just... Most preachers could preach their message and just chuck this in the trash. Amen. In most churches. But we better have this book. Amen. Amen. If you're proficient with the sword, you can win the battle. Amen. Amen. Uh, Like Joshua, he had a mindset of battle. When you go over to Exodus 32, which for the sake of time we won't because we did last week, when they're coming down off the mountain with Moses, Remember what he said? They were all having a big party down there around the golden cap, and he said, "There is a noise of war in the camp." He was always thinking about war, and you know something? You can learn from that. You better always be thinking about the war. Sure. There's a war on. Yes, sir. Amen. We don't fight against, amen, flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers, yes, sir. spiritual darkness. You know, our battle isn't with the school teacher teaching that garbage to your That's children right. in school. Our battle's with the spirit behind that. Yes, sir. Amen. A lot of times we like to have a flesh of, you know, our problem, amen, isn't the person sitting up in Parliament in Ottawa. It's the spirit behind him. Yeah. You can be proficient with the sword, that'll make you shiver. <laughs> amen. That's the battle we're in. That's the battle we're in, folks. Amen? Joshua was a soldier. He had a mindset of battle. Is your mind set in battle? I, I most Christians, it is not. That's right. Most Christians, our mindset is on prospering in this world. Yep. Amen? Having more money. Get it, working overtime, doing extra things on the side, doing to get more money, to have more stuff, to have more problems, to have more debt, to have more—that's the mindset of most people. Yeah. Luxury, leisure, and ease—that's what most Christians live for. Yeah. That is not the life of a Christian at rest. That's right, yeah. Amen. That is not the life of a Christian at rest. At rest in the Lord, Amen. It's a mindset of battle. Amen. And I'll tell you, I know for a fact that there's times you get tired in battle. Amen. And the older I get, I mean I started pastoring here when I was 24, so that's 18 years ago. it will be 19 this year. Amen. And sometimes your mind battle gets weary. You better train up some other soldiers. Because one day Moses will be dead. I'm not Moses, but one day I'll be dead. And somebody else is going to have to lead. Amen. 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 Joshua not only had a, a battle mindset, but he had an overcomer's battle mindset. There wasn't a battle Joshua faced that he didn't think he could win. Remember when they were sent in as spies of the promised land, ten of them came out and said, we can't take it. We've seen giants in the land. And Caleb and Joshua said, we can. That's right. They said this, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able. I like that confidence, amen. We are well able. Amen. Where's your well able mentality? Amen. Defeatists, pessimists, amen. Where's that hey, we're well able. Amen. We have a great God. And God said it was ours. Let's go get it. Amen. Amen. That's what I like about young people. And people that have young minds. Because there's old people with young minds. And you know what? They have a we can by God's grace mentality. Amen. amen. I, we are more than overcomers. We are well able. Well, Pastor, I, I heard what you said there. And I just don't think, I don't think that's possible. Have we not seen God do some impossible yes, things? Amen. amen. I mean, yes, it's, right. it's amazing what God has done. Amen. We're well able. You're well able. Say, well, I just got this mountaintop in my life that I can't seem to crest. I can't seem to get victory over this. I can't seem to get past this or across this. We're well able. Yes, sir. Yep. We are well able. And you know, that's why you need a church. Because every once in a while, you get stuck in the mud. And praise God, you got somebody else to pull you across. Yeah. Yeah. We are well able. Amen. Amen. If God be for us, who can be against us? Yeah. Amen. You say, well, you can't preach that way anymore. We're well able. Yes, sir. You can't stand against that anymore. We're well able. Yes, sir. You can't stand for that anymore. Oh, we're well able. Yes. Amen, why? God gave it to us. Let's, yes, sir. let's take it. Yes, sir. Yes. Amen. Well, you can't raise children to love and honor God anymore. We're well able. Yes, Amen. Why? Not because anything special about us. Yes, sir. Ye are well able as well. Yes, Amen. Amen. He was a great soldier. He had a great mentality about war. We can. You know, you can get invested in a hundred political causes and just feel like you smashed your head on a brick wall a hundred times. But you get involved in a spiritual cause for the Lord, and you'll change your attitude. Soul by soul, one soul to... I just heard a report from Peru, brother Caesar and Logan, and all them are down there. They've had several handful of souls saved already. You Amen. know what that is? We are well able. Yes, sir. Amen. We are well able. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. Joshua, the soldier. Joshua, the slave. Let's draw your attention once more to Joshua chapter one and verse one. You'll notice here it says, "Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass." You know, Moses here is called the servant of the Lord after his death. You know what's very interesting about that, Brother Luke? Is, look at Joshua 24 and verse 29. Do you know when Joshua is first called the servant of the Lord? In Joshua 24 and verse 29. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. Died. You know when they were known as the servant of the Lord after they died? Yeah, it's good. You know what everybody's concerned about? Their title. Yeah. Brandon, servant of the Lord. They never even got the title till they were dead. That's right. yeah. It will cost you to serve the Lord. We're going to learn about the Jordan River as a picture of death to self. Amen. The Jordan River, a picture in Scripture of death to ourselves and coming alive in a newness of life unto Christ. And that first victory, amen, at Jericho's wall. Praise God, that was a supernatural thing that God did, but only after they died to themselves. These men, Joshua was a servant of the Lord. You know, while he was alive, he was known as something else. Verse number one, The Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. You know, while Joshua was alive in his young days, he was known as Moses' minister. You find in Numbers 11.28, Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of Moses. It wasn't until he died that he was known as the servant of the Lord. And you know what I can learn from that is, listen, the way you serve the Lord is by serving others. Yes, sir. The the way you serve God is by serving others others now just ask yourself in a moment of self-examination here how much do you serve others as opposed to self you know there's not one time in this bible that Joshua is mentioned as serving himself mm-hmm. doing what was best for himself taking care of himself you know what this world tells you you need to take care of yourself first you can't help others unless you take care of yourself first i'm so sick of psychology Amen. Amen. It has nothing to do with God. Now, listen. Amen. Listen, I realize that these bodies are the temple of God. And he expects us to be good stewards over his purchased possessions. I realize all of that. But I'm saying the way to be known as a servant of the Lord when you lay six feet under is to serve others. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. You know why I believe Ron Walker was a servant of the Lord? Because he spent those years, we knew him serving this church. Yes, sir. Serving us. You wouldn't be sitting in this building <coughs> if it wasn't for that man serving right. the Lord. Yes, sir. Nobody said Ron Walker servant of the Lord, but I'll tell you what. Nobody questioned that he served this church. Yes. Right. Amen. How about you? How about us? How about us? Amen. How do we serve the Lord by serving? Others, Joshua ministered to Moses' personal needs, and by doing so, he served the Lord. Moms, dads, whether it be serving your children, amen. Right. Hey, listen, if you're a parent, you're, you've enlisted in a life of service. You know, that Bible tells us that our children are an heritage of the Lord. That means they don't belong to you, they belong to God. And how you raise them, and how you invest in them, and how you serve them, that's how you're treating the Lord. These these young people, they, they belong to God. They are gods. And the investments that we put into them is as we're serving the Lord. Well, that's sobering, isn't it? Amen. I want to give my Lord what he's worthy of. By God's grace, I want to be able to be like Hannah was. I want to be able to be like Moses or, uh, Abraham was when he took Isaac and offered to God what is rightly His. Amen. I want to be able to say to, to, to the Lord, Lord, here they are. They're yours. I've, I've done what I could. Amen. And give them something worth having. Amen. We serve the Lord, whether it be serving parents serving your children, a pastor serving your church. Amen? That's what a pastor is. He's a minister of the Lord to the people. I've heard guys say stuff like, uh, well, I'd be fine with pastoring if it wasn't for the people. Preaching is not pastoring. Now, a lot of people don't want a pastor, they want a preacher. They don't want a guy who's going to meddle in their business from time to time and say, hey, that's not right, you need to stop doing that. Or, hey, I heard this and we need to fix this. And A lot of people don't want that, but that's what a pastor is. A pastor is there to to mourn when you're mourning and rejoice when you're rejoicing and encourage and build up and edify and give you something to do in the ministry. Amen. But I'm a servant. I serve this church. Amen. I don't understand the pedestal mentality. Amen. Amen. A pastor is just a man with a position that God's given to serve. Right. Amen. Joshua, as he led Israel, he was still just a servant. Right. Amen. He was a servant. Moses served God and became the greatest Old Testament prophet before John the Baptist. That's according to Deuteronomy 34 verse 10. And Joshua in turn served Moses and was promoted to Moses' place when he died. Now, I don't know if anybody wants this position. But if you do, you won't won't ever get it by declaring it. You know who a church ought to look for in a pastor? The greatest servant. That's who they ought to look for. Not the guy that preaches the best sermons or the most dynamic way. They ought to look for a man that serves. Joshua was a servant. Amen. You know what you young men could do, you young ladies could do, all of us could do? Instead of criticizing brother so-and-so and and grumbling about sister so-and-so, you get a whole new perspective on that brother or sister if you you decided, you know what, I've had this little issue with Nathaniel and I can't figure out why he combs his hair that way and why he wears those kind of glasses. But you know what, I'm not going to criticize him over it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to try and be a blessing to him, and I'm going to, if there's anything that I could do for Nathaniel, that's what I'm going to try and do. And you know what, I bet i will get a whole new perspective of who he is. I'm pretty sure God looks at a lot of us and says, I don't know why he does what he does. Why Abe does that, I have no idea. But you know what he did? You know what the Lord did one day with his disciples? Why would Judas betray him? Why would Peter deny him? And yet, you know what he did? He ungirded himself and bent down and washed their feet. That's right. yep. Knowing who would betray him. Knowing who would deny him. See, we're so intent on making sure that Luke is right before I'm going to help him. That's not the way it works. Right. And you know what, folks? Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you invest a lot. Sometimes you serve people a lot. And you lose. I did it as unto the Lord. Yeah, right. Amen. Amen. If our service is for the Lord, it doesn't matter how people respond to it. Yes, sir. That's right. Amen. Amen. I I hate it. It hurts. I'll keep going on. Yes, sir. Amen. Why? It's ultimately for the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know the Bible says that the Christians, in the Christians' life, your way up is by going down. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And you know what? Joshua is a great example of that. Joshua, our New Testament Joshua, Jesus, what a great example of that. His way up was down. Philippians chapter 2, he humbled himself, took upon himself the form of a servant. Amen? Humbled himself even to the death of the cross. Therefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. The way up is down. You want to be somebody? Serve somebody. Stop seeking the position, amen, at the title and humble ourselves. Amen. So we see Joshua as a servant. And then quickly we see in Numbers 13 verse 1, you don't have to turn there for sake of time, but we find Joshua the spy. Amen. Now you got to admit, Michael, that's a cool job. Wouldn't you want to be that guy? When the boss comes and says, you know, we need to send in 12 guys into the land, we want to check it out, see what's going on. You know, I mean, I can see these young guys and they're... (laughs) Just, just think about it. You know, <clears throat> they didn't just have a robe and a staff and walk into the Promised Land. They packed the binoculars. Hey, Amen. They had maps and charts. I mean, they were compasses. They, they had, they packed and they got ready and they were, you know, they were, and they were. Do you think they were excited about the job? I think they were excited about. It. Oh. I mean, especially Joshua and Caleb because they knew everything was going to be fine. God given them the land. They went down in there, man. That was exciting. Wouldn't you want to be one of them? I would have wanted Hudson. I would have wanted to be one of them. Amen. I would have wanted to be one of the ones got picked to go. Amen. Spying on people. You know, you all like that. That's why you have Facebook. You love to spy and creep. I know. I know. And they got in there, man, and they, you know, there's it is amazing what people tell about themselves. Like, wow. And they put out there and think you won't see. Thank God I don't see it because I don't have it, please God. I don't want to see it. There's enough dirty laundry out in public without knowing the dirty laundry in there too. Amen. But he was and Joshua was one of the two encouraging the children of Israel that they could do it. And of course we know that sadly they listened to the ten and ended up wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. Do you realize what those people, what those ten spies cost Joshua and Caleb? Caleb never got his mountain until he was how old? If you'd been promised something by God that you could have, amen, you can have that mountain Caleb for for your service and what you've done. Do you realize those loose that could not figure out that that was the land God promised them and go in and take the land. They cost Joshua and Caleb their inheritance for 40 years. That's right. That's yes, sir. Be Joshua and Caleb sitting around that 40. He's, he's, he's speaking in like, What's wrong? God promised us the land. Go into the land. Take the land, God. giving us a... We beat Amalek. We beat these... Others. I mean, we can take care of it. We can do this they won't go. You know, I think Joshua and Caleb, they probably met up together from time to time to try and encourage each other. We're gonna go in. I don't know when it's gonna be now. You know, hi, hi, how you doing? (laughs) See, they were Baptists. They cost those guys 40 years of rest of the land. They cost them that time. Amen? I'm angry for them. (laughs) Just imagine, Brother Abe, if somebody kept you off your promised land over there for 40 years. You know what most Christians would do? They'd quit. They'd go somewhere else. (laughs) Praise God. Moving on. Well, no, I'll back up and give you a little something. The Lord gave me the other day. Can I share it with you? Sure. I'm trying to wind down. i got one point left. Elisha and Elijah. Just look quickly with me at 2 Kings. The Lord gave this to me the other day. I love it when the Lord just gives you little handfuls of purpose. And I've read this a hundred times. But I guess it's just the timing. Mm-hmm. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 2. Do you know this passage? Elisha and Elijah and, you know, all the sons of the prophets are there making fun of Elisha. Why are you staying with Elijah? He's going to die. He's going to be taken. You know, they're mocking him. Knowest, knowest thou not that the Lord will take thy master away from me today? You know, they're, they're, that's what all the sons of the prophets are doing. They're mocking Elisha because Elisha was, was Elijah's Joshua. Yeah. Yeah. Elisha was Joshua. And Elijah was Moses, you know? This is the relationship. And and Elisha's listening to these sons of the prophet, and Elijah says, hey, Elijah says, Elisha, it's okay, just stay here. I'll, I'll go down the road, you just stay here. Verse number two, Elisha, I will not leave Okay then, so they go down. There's the sons of the prophet. Don't you know? Elijah comes to Elisha again. He said, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Why don't you just stay here, Elisha? And Elisha says in verse 4, I will not leave thee. Sons of the prophets come down. Don't you know? The Lord's going to take them. Yes, I know it. Shut up. Verse 6. I mean, hold you your peace. Modern vernacular, (laughs) shut your mouth. Right? I mean, so there it is. Hold your peace. Shut your mouth. Off they go, Elijah says, Terry here, the Lord sent me to Jordan, just wait here. He says, as the Lord liveth and my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Three times, he tells Elijah, I'm not going anywhere, Elijah. And it came to pass in verse (coughs) 9, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. He said, Elijah, I want the touch of God like you've had the touch of God, but I want double. That's a noble ask, amen? And you know what Elijah said to him? He said, you've asked for a hard thing, son. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. You know as he said that, Elijah has ringing in his ears the words of Elisha, I will not leave thee. And you know what Elijah says to him? All right, let's see. You want a double portion? That's a hard thing to ask. But if you're here when I go, you'll have Well, Elijah's not fair. Well, Elijah doesn't treat me right. Well, all about Elijah's other followers, they're jerks. I don't want to be around them. He says, if you're here when I go, you'll get it. And if you're not, you won't. I want to see God move in my life. I want to have that land of rest. Are you going to be here? Are you just going to go on? Just go somewhere else, do something. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking, I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. I like yes, that. Yes, sir. You know why Joshua got to where he was going? He was there. Yep. When Moses needed to call on him, he was there. Yep. He was, he was always there. Yep. Amen. Will you be there? Mm-hmm. Will you be here? I think God's. I like what God's doing here. Amen. 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 God's doing good things other places too. I like it here. Amen. Amen. I've given 18 years of my life to it here. Most of you have given quite a bit of time as well. Amen. You say, well, I just want that double portion. Well, you're going to stick around to get it? One thing I've learned in my life God doesn't bless quitters. Right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. There'll be things here you don't like. Mm -hmm. Amen? Mm -hmm. But where's that good old I'm not gonna quit mentality. Amen. Amen. Last thing, number 27 with me if you would. Well this is a big long passage of scripture. I'll spare you the details but if you'll write down numbers 27, 15 to 23, this is where, oh no, we, let's just read a little bit, Numbers 27, verse 15, it says here, Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, Moses' time is coming to an end here, and he knows, and so he's asking God, set a man <coughs> over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in. That the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom the Spirit, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. And verse 20 says, And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And you find out when you read Joshua chapter 1, one. they said, All that you tell us to do, Joshua, just as we did for Moses, we will do for you. That's what they told him. Why? Because Moses put some of that honor on him. And God chose him. We see here finally Joshua, the successor. Joshua moved from being the, in charge of the military... To the charge of the whole thing under God. Amen. In Moses' final message to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 31, Moses told the people that God would use Joshua to deliver them from their enemies and help them claim the promised land. He encouraged Joshua to trust God and not to be afraid. He said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage. You ought to just take notice of every time in the book of Deuteronomy and the first few chapters of the book of Joshua, how many times it says, Be strong and of good courage. You know, if you're going to win anything in this war, if you're going to see it through to the end, if you're going to be there and be the one God calls on, you're going to have to be strong and of good courage. Be strong in the Lord. And the power of his might. That's what you're going to have to be. Amen. And Moses laid his hands on Joshua. And transferred to him the spiritual power he needed for that task. In Deuteronomy 34 verse 9. The Bible says Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him. And did as the Lord commanded to Moses. I don't know if you've ever been in the place. Listen, I'm not a spooky guy. Okay? I'm not. I'm not a spooky kind of... But you know, when a church commissions a man to leave that church and go to another field to do a work for God, oftentimes, as they did with Paul and Barnabas when they sent them about the Lord's work, they'll lay their hands on them. And you know what that is? That's like a passing of the torch. And by the way, I'm a guy big on ceremony. I like ceremony. Amen, I think soldiers know what ceremony is all about. Yeah. Soldiers know that. They know they've got to dress right. They know they got to, you know, they know what that kind of stuff is about. And the soldiers of the Lord ought to as well. There was a passing of the torch here. Yeah. Right. And I'll tell you, that's no light thing. Yes, sir. To lay your hands on another person. And by God's grace impart that spirit, that same spirit that you have. You don't do that lightly. That's right. Joshua was not chosen as the successor of Moses lightly. Just because he was the only guy available. It is shocking to me how I have watched pastors leave their pulpits and turn over to, to just a guy. Because, well... That's who is there that's not how it works folks. Yeah. when God is ready to relieve one commander he will appoint another yeah. and until then you stay on duty until he relieves you amen amen I believe that I believe that with all my heart there'll be one day when God's finished with me here but it will not be until there is an evident successor to someone else. Why? So that the sheep have no shepherd. God's not going to leave sheep shepherdless. Amen. I believe that. And you know, there's pastors all over this country. They're older men. They've been through the war. They've fought so many battles, and there's no successors. You know, guys, it doesn't matter if God has called you to preach... (laughs) <laughs> you understand me? You say, well, I don't do that because I'm not called to preach. If you desire the office, it's a good thing. Yep. It's a, you say, well, God hasn't called me. Yeah, but you should be preparing like He will. Yep. Every one of you. That's right. You say, well, don't call on me to preach because I'm not called to preach. You should be ready, willing, and able. That's right. You know, it's not until you're ready, willing, and able that God will call you. It's not until you're in the... You know why God is not calling young men to preach anymore? Because there's no Joshua's. Or there's... Let me rephrase. There's fewer Joshua's. There's fewer young men to whom the Moseses can turn to and say, Hey, I need you to go out to this battle. Amen. You know, it could be that on January 27th, I myself could be, what if this opportunity had come while I'm in the Philippines? Could we still not get the job done? Who would we call? Young men, older men alike. Amen? We ought to desire to be a Joshua. Amen. You say, well, God hasn't called me to... he wasn't known as the servant of the Lord until he was dead. Yeah. He was there, and God, God told Moses, I say, He said, I want you to appoint Joshua. And what if, I'm just using a up, so what if I came along here and said, Well, I haven't picked on you yet, James. <laughs> what if I came along here and said, James, in five years, I'm stepping down as the pastor, and God told me you're the man? <laughs> Does your life evidence that you desire that there's no more noble calling than the call to full time ministry to preach the gospel Amen. it may not be what God calls you to do but wouldn't you want to aspire towards it at least say well I didn't sign up for the Bible Institute Brother West because frankly I'm not called to preach that does not entitle you to be a dumb dumb it's not hard. Anybody can take it. It's multiple choice. Amen. Well, I was, but shouldn't you desire to be? You know, when if, if we would fill up again with, with people desiring to be the Joshua, we'd see God move. You know, the problem is we're just satisfied to be where we're at. Yep. Let somebody else do it. And some of you older men, you look at these young guys and you say, let them do it. You know what they're looking at you and saying? Show us how. Show us how. Dad, sir, we'll do it in the next generation, but you've got to show us how. You've got to show us how to be the servant, how to be the spy, how to be the the soldier. You've got to show us. then how's your battle, mom?